You have tuned into the Hot Takes Podcast with Lawrence Henderson, aka Boss, and special guest. Be ready to be inspired, encouraged, and ready to take action. And we're on. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Hot Takes Podcast where we are always humble, open, and transparent. And so I have another awesome, awesome podcast waiting for you today. We have Miss Deanna Stinson-Reese um, here to drop some knowledge on us. And I won't get into her uh, background. I'll let her do it and then we'll kick this conversation off the right way. So welcome, ma'am. Welcome, welcome. Mm-hmm. Tell the people about yourself. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you first for having me. Um, as you all know, I'm Deanna Stinson Reese. Um, I am the CEO of E3 Professional Services. Um, my background is pretty much in uh, professional development, learning and development, and hiring um, from a diverse lens within organizations. And so, about three, four years ago, I started my own company where I could be more intentional and impactful with the work that I do. So. E3 Professional Services focuses on advancing minorities in their careers through unique career strategizing, as well as helping companies to diversify their leadership. Um, And we do this also through career strategizing and DEI um, consulting. And so I am really excited to be here. I've been talking to a lot of companies about, you know, how to pivot, how to be more intentional um, and solution oriented during this time. And so I'm really glad to add value to your audience and and see what I can provide and and what I can learn also from our conversations. I'll tell y'all what, um, if if I was going to pull anybody into a conversation around diversity, equity, and inclusion, it had to be Deanna. Um, Because like you said, her company specializes in that area, particularly around the E part of things. And when we in this season of, of pivoting, of change and talking about social justice, but also talking about what does it look like to attack some of the systematic things that have been done uh, intentionally and unintentionally in organizations, when you start talking about the topic of racial equity, what, what does that mean? Racial equity. So a lot of people confuse um, equality with equity, and it's not the same thing. Uh, And the smartest of the smartest uh, C-suite, VP level professional oftentimes misconstrue what equity really looks like, um, whether it be unconsciously or consciously. And so the best way for me to articulate and to describe racial equity Um, would almost be simply describing how if there's four people trying to view, let's say, a football game over a fence, right? One person's tall, one person's short, one person has a broken leg and they're in a wheelchair so they can't, you know, see they're sitting down and the other person um, is like mid-height. If a person was like, oh, let me equally provide a resource to everyone trying to view this game and give them all a little step stool, you're not being equitable because that person with that broken leg can't see, that tall person that can already see now sees way higher than everyone else. That's not being equitable. That's not meeting the specific needs of the unique individuals that are being um, serviced or that are you're trying to provide a resource to. 
And so with racial equity, it's understanding that the resources and the access and the opportunities that you give one group is not going to look the same for another group that is already disadvantaged, already oppressed, already dealing with systemic barriers that makes them start the race or the, the path to success 10 steps behind their fellow counterparts. Um, and so it's understanding that it's not going to look the same across the board, but more so making sure that everyone has equal access. So being equitable means providing those resources at different levels based on the needs so that everyone has equal access. Yeah, that's huge because I think I've been um, a part of that where I've done a lot of work personally and professionally on, on my end that mm -hmm. organizations not wanting to treat me any different they tried to give me the same as everybody else, but not understanding the background and not understanding the position that I started from. And, and I liken it to this, that video, you probably seen it with the youth and the coach had the wherewithal and he had these questions, series of questions asking the youth, yeah. like, take, take two steps forward. If you had access to this, take two. And that, and I, and again, just that imagery of yeah. seeing where most of the, uh, kids of color um were from the starting line and he, he called it out he's like if i if i let everybody start at the same place my black athletes will smoke y'all if if all things were created equal and mm -hmm. and i love it when he finally said go from the positions that they were at how hard the kids who were still stuck at the starting line were running and they were even though they were catching people Sometimes I think organizations see when, oh man, and they say those, those uh, covert things out loud, like, man, you're sharp for a black guy. You're, there you go. And it's just like, well, no thanks to you. I, ha I had to do it on my own. And so I love that example of, this, of the steps. And what can, as you're talking to leaders, because they might not think anything's wrong with that. And they just be like, you know what? Again, I don't want to get into a legal issue whatsoever. If I, I, it looks like favoritism towards uh, persons of color. So, what, what do you say to those those leaders? There has not no company um, has gotten in trouble for being inclusive, for being equitable around race. I literally was just speaking to um, was about. 70 leaders um, on Friday, and I was on a show with um, a compliance, uh, a HR compliance lawyer. Um, he deals with, you know, different cases around uh, discriminatory practices, et cetera, et cetera. And he made a very valid point. When have you seen a company get sued because they were being racially equitable? It does nothing but help your company. So it's not about showing favoritism. It's, it's you got to get that word out of your mind as a leader. Those of you that are leaders that are listening and watching, it's not about favoritism because we are not starting at the same point. If I, as a black professional in your organization, don't understand what it looks like, um, let's say to uh, engage in a professional development opportunity. I'm not used to that. I was not conditioned on being able to seek out opportunities for, for professional development. So I don't understand what that looks like. I don't understand what it looks like to take that content 
and to then apply it to my own professional development plan in order to grow strategically within my career. So if you, as the leader, don't help me to understand that, we don't have equal access, me and my fellow white counterpart, who is already conditioned to say, oh, okay, here's a list of professional development opportunities. I already know I'm trying to be here in the next five years. So let me do this, this, and this. And I'm going to apply these concepts from these sessions in these different ways. Your, your average minority may not understand that because we're not conditioned to that. And so it's not about favoritism, okay? It's, it's more so being equitable right? Because we don't have the same access to resources, knowledge, opportunities. And, and people say, well, no, you have the same access to opportunities. No, we don't. Yeah. Let me make that very clear. We do not. Look at the board of directors for these corporations. Look at the senior leadership for these corporations. That is indicative of the fact that we do not have the same access to opportunities. Yeah. Okay. We are hired on as the token black person or the token minority in order to show diversity at face value so that companies can check a box. But how often do they really infiltrate their, their senior leadership, their VP suites, their C-suites, their high-level leadership roles? How often do they infiltrate those with minorities, right? Very, very rare that you see more than one for a multi-billion dollar corporation. Very rare. And if you find one, I'm going to drop my email so you can send them my info because I will personally publish an article in Forbes about this company. Otherwise, it is not equitable, like I, like I mentioned. Yeah, and I, and I like that because there's, there's a difference, right? I'm with, uh, I've supported and on the board of several youth organizations, and we always talk about this generation coming up where just because you see a kid, every kid having a cell phone, regardless of their family's income, they have access to a device. But uh -huh. the understanding of how powerful that device is looks different. Because I can give you access to the library, right? All the books in the world, I give you access. But if I don't give you uh, some semblance of direction, to say, hey, that section over there can give you access to the understanding of wealth, of uh, financial freedom. But I just said, boom, here's a library. And I think most organizations, they roll out this smorgasbord of learning opportunities via yeah. virtually and all this rest of this stuff and, and say, hey, have at it. We offered it, it was there, but access without understanding does nothing. Because again, if you understand, you had, a, and I liken it to, uh, one of the coaching client I had, they were at, started with a small company while they were in college and everything else, super small company, and then got access to their first large company job. And it was like throwing somebody into the ocean that said they learned how to swim at a community pool. Yeah. It's totally different. Like, but you got other people like, oh, we are out on the ocean doing deep sea fishing my whole life. Like, it's totally different to have access to something but knowing what to do with it. And as you, as you talk to these organizations, right, at the end of the day, we not only want to have a, a racial equity conversation, right? We could talk till we're blue in the face, but what are things you help organizations wrap their minds around as it pertains to next steps? Um, yes. So with next steps, well, 
is it okay if I take a step back? Because I want to make sure Definitely. that um, it's clear on yeah. how to start the steps. Do uh, there you go. I've, I've seen yeah. that there's a huge disconnect there. So mm -hmm. before you can even talk about next steps, the it's important to understand how to go about starting. Um, and one of the major things that is important that people hear me say and they nod when I say people, meaning like these senior leaders, they'll not like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. But I have to always repeat it and reiterate it because they'll miss the mark on it. You have to be in a mental space where you have acknowledged that there is a problem. Okay. As a white leader, as a senior leader, as someone who benefits from white privilege, you have to be in a space where you acknowledge from the top, as a top person, there is a problem and this is the problem. And I recognize that this is a problem. I want to do what I can to be part of the solution. Acknowledgement is the very first step. You will not get far at all. You will likely crash and burn if there is no acknowledgement at the beginning of the process of trying to be part of the solution. Nobody's going to want to have a conversation. I want, I want you to break that down for people because that that sounds logical <laughs> yes but break that down of why they need to start there here's why it is so important and i'm gonna i'm gonna put this in a completely different context okay so i'm gonna take i'm gonna take race out for a second because that's what seems to work best to get people's minds wrapped around it if i have been beaten and abused okay and the person that represents that person that has beaten or abused me, whether it's a male, I'm gonna say it's a bully, right? I'm gonna say it's a bully, we won't even go down that road. I'm gonna say a bully has been beating me, beating me up after school, and so now I'm dealing with this trauma. There's someone who is a part of the same group as this bully that now wants to talk to me about this trauma that I've dealt with, this abuse that I've dealt with for the whole academic year. What is gonna make me wanna have a conversation with this person that falls in the same category? Let's say they're an athlete, right? So they're on the same athletic team. That person didn't necessarily bully me, but their teammate or someone who identifies with a group that they belong to, they have been bullying me. And so now you, the person who necessarily didn't bully me, you want me to have a conversation with you about me being bullied. I don't trust you. I don't trust you. I associate you with the person that's been doing the bullying. And I've been dealing with it since for, for two, three years, maybe. You know, I'm in high school. And so I'm constantly being terrorized by this person. Nobody has spoken up to help me. I, you know, went to the principal and tried to ask the principal for help, went to teachers. People are ignoring me. People are putting bandages over the situation. They just moved me out of the class with that person. But I still see that person every day and they still find me after school and they beat me up take my lunch money or whatever it is that they're doing so now you nice person that's on the same team wants to say hey diana i see you've been dealing with these issues around bullying let me help you that's not going to make me want to talk to you you have to be the person to acknowledge i get what x y and z has done is wrong i get that being a part of such and such team makes us accountable and makes us and gives us excuse me the responsibility to rectify this issue i want to help you what so-and-so did is wrong i don't agree with it i want to help you that is the first step to start to build trust 
because there is no trust right now. I can tell you that there is no trust. Love it. And so when you take race out of it and you just take something as simple and basic as bullying, right? People have humanity towards someone that's being, they like, why is this person beating up on, you know, this person that can't defend themselves or this person that's trying to defend themselves. Nobody's going to stick up for them. Nobody's going to help them. Mm -hmm. Really? That is what it's like when these senior leaders come to minorities to say, hey, let's have a conversation about what's going on. We want to help you. Yeah, oh, okay. Finally. Talk about, talk about what's wrong. We're not going to talk about what's wrong. We feel like you're going to try to uh, maybe fire us, reprimand us. We don't know what you're going to do with that information. We don't trust you. So we're not going to disclose that information to you. Yeah. 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 I love, I love that acknowledgement because what, what immediately comes up for me and, and you kind of made mention to it is, you know, enough's enough on us having access to this sweet C-suite DEI role as a d director or a VP and that acknowledgement that something is wrong from a, the perspective of, okay, I'm not going to exploit you. I, I want to be an advocate. I want to be an ally because I think, again, that acknowledgement step is so strong because I think that's why a lot of people, they'd, they'd rather be quiet about it hoping and praying it go they could wish it away so they could get back to normal and i think now what's different about this season is that you no know, we're gonna make you acknowledge it either in public or in private but you you gotta you gotta show up for this and no longer are people sitting around because of comfort right this entire situation has been uncomfortable mm -hmm. for everybody and now you know you have black uh you have black people like about time folks are finally <laughs> uncomfortable like you said and i love your bully scenario because it's like every day it's like going it's like being on recess every day in a corporate environment and you know i'm being mistreated when i leave your when i leave your office and it's just like how can i be a good guy in your office but i'm the one on tv now getting pulled over being killed while i'm in handcuffs or in police custody but all of a sudden you got commentary of how good of a guy I really wasn't mm -hmm. but but you could get all the work out of me. As long as I was benefiting you, I was all, everything was all good. And so, so man, so keep going, keep going. I, I want you to keep rolling. <laughs> no, but that's, yeah, that's definitely um, a huge, uh, a first step. And it, like I said, it starts to build the trust because the trust is gone. And I, I also explain to um, leaders that you can't expect an immediate turnaround. Like just because you acknowledge that doesn't mean that it's like, oh, yay, they acknowledge it. Now I trust them. No, no, no. There's work that goes into demonstrating that you mean what you say. And so people, <laughs> senior leaders don't like this. And the lady, one of the ladies um, on the, the show on Friday was so funny. She had uh, said, so I'm going to tell you the statement. So I explained to them, because they were like, well, how do we solicit and get, you know, feedback if people are afraid of reprisal, reprimand, et cetera. I said, you get them to do it anonymously. You get anonymous feedback. And uh, someone asks, well, how are we, we're not comfortable. What if you're not comfortable with anonymous feedback because you can't then necessarily address, you know, the situation directly. And before I could even respond, somebody said, if you ain't comfortable getting anonymous feedback from your team, there's a problem right there that you're dealing with. And you need to, you need to do it anonymously. And so, that is going to pull 
the sheets over or pull back the sheets that have been hiding some of the um, microaggressions that's been going on in the workplace, racial uh, inequity within the workplace, covert uh, racism that people are experiencing. And sometimes it's not from leadership. Sometimes it's from your um, mid-level managers or your regular employees. And so you have to provide an opportunity for these types of things to be exposed. But before you start this process, you gotta be committed to seeing it all the way through. You have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable and understanding and also communicating. And this was another thing that was very pivotal for people. As a senior leader, no matter what your, no matter your race, after you acknowledge that there's a problem, when the conversation does begin to happen where it's you know a face-to-face -face conversation potentially, you need to put out there, or I recommend, let me not say you need to, I strongly recommend and has been successful for people to put out there, this is how I'm feeling about this situation or about this conversation. Because it is uncomfortable for a white person who, A, has never, you know, been someone that has been racist, right? They're not racist. They support minorities, yada, yada. But it's still a tough conversation to have because it's like a group that I identify with has caused you pain and oppression for many, many years. And now you're fighting back. And I feel like I'm part of the problem, right? I want to be a part of the solution. So that's a level of uncomfortable, uh, of being uncomfortable. Then you have the people who are kind of like, ooh, when you start throwing out what microaggressions look like, they're like, ooh, crap. I might have done that, right? Unconsciously, didn't mean it offensively, but I did that, right? They are uncomfortable. So I think it's always important to recognize, hey, this is uncomfortable for me for these reasons. It's okay, I, I promise you, if you are in a room with um, a, a group of minorities, specifically people of color, and let's say you are someone that recognizes, crap, I use X, Y, and Z microaggression. If you acknowledged like, you know what, man, I think I am guilty of doing that, you know, a time or two, how do I change that? Because microaggressions come from these preconceived stereotypes that are already out there and you kind of just play into them in your everyday workspace. And so I can't get it through enough that acknowledging how you're feeling, acknowledging there's a problem, bringing those things to the forefront to have a level of transparency and then listening, right? It's not about you as a white person. You start the conversation acknowledging, you let them know this is how I'm feeling about this conversation, but I want to learn to do better. So I am here to listen and learn. That then helps to create a safe space where we may not feel as defensive in our communication because we will get defensive, especially when we're explaining something and questions are being asked that are undermining what we are saying, like as if you don't see it. And if you don't see it, it's okay to ask clarifying questions, but I think it's important to set that tone by explaining, hey, this is how I'm feeling about it. This conversation gives me anxiety as a white person because I don't know any better. I don't know what's considered right. I don't know what's wrong to say. I don't know what to ask. So I want to learn and I want to listen, but I want to put out there that this is how I'm feeling so that we can have a productive conversation. That then changes my mindset and how I'm going to begin articulating to you what it is that is the problem, why it's a problem, su suggestions for solutions, and then we can have a more productive conversation. But you can't come in with, as a leader, 
a white leader especially saying, hey, let's talk about diversity and inclusion is racial equity. I see that, you know, you guys have a problem with what's going on today or, you know, there's a problem going on today. And, you know, we have these these riots and we have these protests that we want to do what we can to best support our black employees. We're going to look at you like, oh, OK. At no point did you acknowledge that you agree that there is a problem. At no point did you acknowledge that something does need to be changed and, and how you recognize that. At no point did you take any ownership that, yes, I recognize that I live in white privilege. If you can't recognize that, you're not ready to have a conversation about diversity and inclusion. You're not ready for your organization to take the steps needed to really be equitable as it pertains to race in the workplace. So you might want to pipe down and, 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 and think a little bit because if you put yourself out there, you need to be ready to back it up or you will face some, some consequences as a corporation in terms of your branding, your identity, because now things are changing in how we are holding people accountable. Okay, we've moved to a space where it's like, you don't get to just put a bandage over it. You don't get to just make a diversity statement. Now these major corporations are being called out for not really and truly being equitable in the workplace, not really and truly supporting their minority staff and their diverse staff. They are being called out and now they are kind of scrambling to figure out how do we pivot? How do we adjust? Because we only have, like you said, that one black person, that's the chief diversity officer who really don't got no power to do much. They're just there for show and to make sure we look good and say that we're diverse. But now people are calling that out. That is not enough. And so there's a whole slew of things I could, I could tell leaders around how to have these conversations. Uh, but I think the acknowledgement is the best piece. And then once you get past the other pieces that comes after that, and you've had the productive conversations, mm -hmm. now I can answer your initial question around how do you take steps towards solutions? Yep. The solutions need to come from the people being impacted right? You need to be able to solicit the solutions directly from the people who it impacts. I can't say, Lawrence, you told me you have a problem with my cooking. So I'm going to do this to change what the problem is. If you, I, you, I gotta let you tell me, Deanna, your food is too salty. Deanna, it has too much sugar in it. Deanna, you're burning the cooking. Otherwise, I'm going to change something that may not need to be changed or I'm not going to address the real problem. So I have to get feedback from the person who is mm -hmm. impacted in order to effectively make the change. And you yeah. gotta put your money where your mouth is. You, yeah. you, you gotta put your money where your mouth is. I love it, I love it. Cause, and here's the other part, you gotta, once you ask for that feedback, you, the acknowledgement that, that has to go before you actually even ask is you gotta prepare yourself to hear something you're not going to like. Yes. And I, and I think a lot of times in this season that we're in, everybody is um, quickly becoming comfortable failing forward, if you will, um, and saying, you know, we just need to make sure that everybody knows where we stand and we, need to, we needed to make a stand. Okay, now, thank you for standing finally, but now listen. Now listen, right? And, and be prepared and don't just listen, bring your notepad or at least bring the note taker who's supposed to capture this stuff because we're going to follow up. And I think that's the transaction 
that we are from a, a solution standpoint is don't just ask us for feedback. Don't just start having these conversations where you want our input. Again, like you said, you asked, now ask, like, get specific, like get curious and, mm -hmm. and don't, don't be defensive. And I, now that's easier said than done, but take a posture of, okay, this is a learning moment for me as a leader. Like I have not presented you this opportunity to share. Now I generally want you to share. And I think for a lot of organizations, I had an old Colonel who, who used to say, never missed the opportunity to repeat yourself. This is going to be new for your people to, for you to hear you one ask, but then ask for feedback and then sit there and listen. That's going to be new for a lot of people and organizations. Guess what? Nobody's saying it's going to be easy if you haven't practiced this before. Correct. So you're going to have to continue to come back and like, no, I'm serious. No, no, I really want to hear from you. I really want you to. And people have to understand. And I love that you, you took a good a bit of time on trust and confidence. Because again, if they don't feel them, you as a leader need to assume it's not present. Mm -hmm. So you got to build that. You got to build that up. That's just like relationships with anybody. It's going to take any good amount of time if it was never present in our relationship or in our interaction that I had to trust you with my feelings and my emotion. If you just asked me to come to work every day and just make widgets, okay, I'm going to come to work every day and I'm going to check out. But now you're asking me, not only do you want me to make widgets, but you also want me to believe you care about me like that. You've, you've, we've never had that exchange before. So Correct. don't get ticked off if somebody is looking at you like, whatever, mm -hmm. like you asked, but you don't really want to know. Like that's the posture you never asked. So don't get mad at people when they are skeptical. Yeah. They really are. It, it, and, and so when you, when you think about that, as leaders develop this muscle of continuing to ask for feedback, right? We, we want to assume on the, the positive side that these organizations really truly want to get better. Let's, let's, let's stay there. That energy, they really want to get better. <laughs> what makes people of color and, and what makes them feel supported in this space? Hmm. So the list can go on and on. However, um, in corporate America, I can tell you one thing that makes them feel supported is um, both intrinsic and um, extrinsic motivators. Um, and I'm going to break that down. Um, and so with intrinsic, it's verbally acknowledging a, you know, their contributions in the workplace, et cetera. Um, and then the extrinsic is the is the one where a lot of the disparity comes in because when I kind of get feedback from professionals, um, <clears throat> one of the things is, yeah, you know, my supervisor tells me X, Y, and Z, how good I am at this, you know, how great I do X, Y, and Z. But then the extrinsic piece is, okay, how do you show them? There's a huge disparity, disparity, excuse me, in how minorities are shown they are appreciated in the workplace. Um, and I know y'all, they don't, they're not going to like me for this one, but conversations about salary and compensation, because there's a disparity there. 
and that's that's costly right because it's like oh yeah we're paying engineer a ten thousand dollars more than engineer b they both came in the same amount of experience one is white one is black right so having these conversations and recognizing that there's disparities around that and and compensating accordingly um creating spaces where conversations can be had to address the different challenges and issues that minorities face. Um, and this, this comes in the example of like affinity groups and resource groups, right? And so you being a company recognizing we can only really control what's within our control, which is our company, right? So there are still things that while we can change all these various things with our company, we can be, you know, truly committed to diversity, equity, and inclusion. But when employee A leaves out of here, they're still dealing with these other things that we can't necessarily control. So having these spaces and allowing the, allowing the employees to A, talk about these issues that we deal with within our community in a safe space, whether that be a minority group, whether it be a women's group, black males, LGBTQ, you have so many different subpopulations that's dealing with um, a lot of different adversities and systemic oppression just as a whole. And then don't tag on the race piece to it. Now you got this double layered, triple layered, quadruple layered effect. And so having these spaces, but I think what makes it even more beneficial and where some companies miss the mark, but then others don't necessarily miss the mark is having financial resources available for these different groups. And when I say financial resources, meaning if I'm in, let's say, a single mom affinity group, right? I'm a minority, I'm a single mother, I'm in this affinity group, and we're talking about how it's so challenging to find access to, let's say, childcare, right? So there needs to be some sort of commitment to providing resources. So maybe that may be, okay, we know that our employees work um, till 6 p.m., right? But many of the daycares in the area close at 4 Maybe we can put together resources where they can leave, go get their kids and bring them back here for work at no additional cost to them, right? We will fund this additional supplemental two-hour, you know, childcare space. These are minor things that make a huge difference to communities or individuals who don't have access to the same thing, especially when you think about if me being a minority, I'm not getting paid as much as Sally or Karen, who's doing the same job as me, I may not be able to afford this expensive daycare bill. And I'm a single mom, right? So there's all of these different factors that come into play. But when thinking about how to support minorities um, and, or what makes a, a person of color feel supported in the workplace, having a safe space, having access to resources, having someone to make sure they understand how to access those resources and, and leverage them, right? And then making tangible, taking tech tangible steps in action to change things that have been brought up as issues, right? Issues that face that community specifically. You can't change everything in the outside world. But if you see a lot of the minorities are saying, hey, we want to be in leadership roles, but HR, for example, if you have people in HR and a lot of minorities 
And they're like, man, I really do want to be in a higher level role. I really want to move up, but I can't afford to get the HR cert. You got this group that all of them agree they can't afford it. Why not reach out to SHRM or some of the other, uh, other HR organizations to see how you can possibly bring in someone to go through and, and give them that resource at a discounted rate, meaning you, the company, supplement some of the costs. Not asking SHRM to give you a discount, but you supplement some of the costs for those minority employees because guess what? They may not, they don't have the same access. They want it, they eagerly want to be in these roles, but they know, oh, I need a certification. I can't afford that certification. I mean, I'm $100,000 in debt from this bachelor's and this master's degree that I got that I'm trying to pay off, trying to pay this daycare bill, trying to pay my rent, and you already paying me 15% less than Karen, and we do the same job. See what I'm saying? So having those resources are important. Yeah, man, you, so as y'all can see, uh, as you can hear, Deanna, Deanna, she dropping bombs on, on, on the crew today. And I know you all want to reach out to her on your own so y'all can get me out the way. So <laughs> Deanna, tell folks how they could get more of what you got. Tell them how to find you where you at. Yes. Okay. So you can find me on LinkedIn, of course. Uh, you can just search Deanna Stinson Reese. Um, but you can also email me directly. Um, I have my personal site being worked on. I have uh, an email for the business, but then I also have my own personal site uh, that's being worked on for <clears throat> for all the different speaking engagements that I've you know been acquiring over the years. I kind of wanted to just have a separate hub. So if you email me um, at info, so that's info at stinsonreese dot com stinson is s as in sam t as in tom i n s o n r e as an elephant e as an elephant s as in sam e as an elephant dot com that uh email address you'll email me directly a lot of things that come through there are for conferences speaking engagements collaborations etc just haven't gotten the site put up yet because i've been inundated with the different companies that are reaching been out working. Um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm out here working. They're working me hard. Um, and I will say to those of you, um, as a last little tidbit, uh, as you're reaching out to whomever, whether it's me, whether it's Lawrence, whether it's whoever you're reaching out to, if you're reaching out to someone to come in and support you around efforts for diversity, equity, and inclusion, be prepared to answer um, some challenging questions. Um, I ask people when they reach out to me, um, <laughs> why? When they say, hey, we want you to speak for blah, blah, blah. I got this diversity, whatever. Uh, can you come in and, and help us? What's your speaker fee? Why do you want me to come in and do it? Why? Be prepared to answer those kind of questions. Let me see your EEO uh, report. Okay. Let, these are things you need to be prepared for because people are being very intentional, including myself, with partnering mm -hmm. and, and attaching ourselves to organizations to make sure these are organizations that are truly committed to seeing it through right we understand that it's not perfect the people in the organization are not perfect they are flawed just like we are flawed this is a learning opportunity but there has to be a certain level of acknowledgement conviction empathy and, and, and commitment there and those are some of the questions that will be asked on the front end before we hop on a call with you I got a bunch of people in my inbox. I'm waiting for them to schedule because they ain't responded to my question of why. They saw it, but they ain't responded. So um, it's, it's really important, though, 
to think about why are you reaching out to someone for help with this? That's huge. Right? Being honest and transparent about that. That's huge. That's huge. So thank you so much for being here with us today. And as you look, I'm gonna post her contact information so y'all y'all could be more in her inbox, but maybe she just puts <laughs> you she puts you on notice. She gonna ask why. So yes. be prepared already. Just answer the why in the email before before she gotta ask you. So Diano, thank you once again for sharing the gift of yourself and your time and your talent. Um, and much success to you. And again, when you could jump on here anytime, just let me know and we can schedule it. Yes, thank you, thank you. Thank you all for listening. Oh. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. And remember, actions over ideas always win. Be on the lookout for more episodes coming soon.